Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DeCastro. On this episode, I'll be talking with Lisa Rafalo about tarot correspondences with the planet Uranus and Uranus transits. So Lisa and I uh, continue our discussion of planets and their correspondences in the tarot, and particularly looking at planetary transits and how those same themes of the transits might be addressed through a tarot reading. And so we've done this with Pluto, Neptune, and this episode is Uranus. Uh, we also have a reading that that uh, Lisa created, a layout that she created um, and we did a sample reading for each of us. So the handouts will be up on my site along with the show and enjoy. So I guess, you know, one thing that I had um, sent to you was my little summation of uh, what I felt a Uranus transit embodies. And this is taken from not only my own, my own experience, but many people's work. And I said, the force of transiting Uranus has to do with change, liberation, and freedom. Uranus transits often involve a roller coaster kind of feeling and surprising and unexpected events. Uranus helps us in our process of individuation, showing us where we stand apart from the herd. This can manifest as an itchy, restless, and rebellious feeling that leads ultimately to breakthroughs and liberation from long-standing ruts in the area being impacted. I often feel that way, itchy and restless and rebellious. <laughs> and I think you might have even a natal Uranus aspect in your chart mm. that would explain that. And so that's something I would also say is this archetype of Uranus or this this psychic function, if we're looking at the fact that everybody has a Uranus in their natal chart, uh, might be particularly prominent in one person's chart over another, depending on what aspects it's making in the chart or where it lies. Um, but we're tonight we're going to be focusing on as Uranus transits, as the Uranus that's out in the sky right now is moving through somebody's chart, how might that look and, and what things are we being asked to look at when Uranus is doing that? Um, and then you're going to look at uh, the tarot correspondences to that set of um associations right and, and we're still we're, we're actually we actually have one but we're still you know at the point where we're looking at cards that illustrate concepts rather than ab absolute golden dawn attributions yes yes absolutely <laughs> and so I'm kind of, I know it may become less fun for you but I'm looking forward to also going through the rest of the planets oh yeah too. oh it's so. it's it's more fun for me <laughs> So one of the things that I thought was interesting is that it's Greek rather than Roman. Do you have any idea why that that is the case? Mm -hmm. uh, Uranus is the original source of the myth, uh, the sky god. Mm -hmm. But um, as we, I talked about this on the show with uh, my friend Ed Welsh last week, we talked about the idea that Uranus might not really be the the way that we would interpret Uranus now, um, and that the archetype of Prometheus or the story of Prometheus might actually fit it better. But there are things about 
Uranus, the sky god, that do have a resonance for me. Um, he's the god of the starry sky, and we've attributed Uranus as the ruling planet of astrology and kind of the patron saint of hmm. astrologers. So it's the god of the starry sky. Usually the the planets have their Greek and Roman uh, counterparts. But mm-hmm. So um, is, was there anything else that you wanted to say about the transit first, or should I go through my list of... You know, actually, I could bring in um, just a couple other voices. Okay. Um, I could just read one thing from Robert Hand's book, uh, Planets in Transit. And at the beginning of, of each of his planetary sections, when he's talking about, you know, the general uh, themes of a planetary transit, he, he just dedicates one, you know, a few paragraphs to that and then goes on to talk about the planet and the houses and planets aspecting your natal planets. But his um, interpretation of the significance of transiting Uranus is this, and I'm quoting, During the transits of Uranus to your natal chart, you will experience phenomena that are out of accord with your everyday life. The events that occur will be unusual, upsetting, sudden, and unexpected. For this reason, astrologers are often circumspect about giving precise delineations concerning Uranus. Almost all that can be said for sure is to expect the unexpected. But the transits of Uranus are not malefic in the traditional sense, except to the extent that you are unwilling to accept newness and change in your life. Uranus challenges the rigid structures in life that most people work so hard to build. Many people value regularity and predictability so much that they will even sacrifice personal happiness to get it. Think of all the unhappy marriages that continue only because both persons are afraid of the insecurity that breaking up would bring. But this kind of rigidity is ultimately destructive to life in its highest sense. Life is or should be a constant, ongoing confrontation between yourself and the world with an energy that keeps everything fresh and lively. The problem with this confrontation, however, is that there's always the danger of losing. So most people avoid the confrontation if they can. To survive half-dead, they reason, is better than to lose. But those are not the only alternatives. It is only fear that makes it seem that way. So, you know, I, I love uh, Rob Hand's wording is he doesn't mince words. He'll just <laughs> say it's upsetting, it's sudden and unexpected. Um, and his style is is probably a little more direct and harsher than I would do in a reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I probably said that before. But I do appreciate what that, especially that last paragraph he, he uh, comes to at the end and saying that, you know, it's really not about this alternative between uh, either I hold on so tightly to something or I have to lose. Um, there are other things that we can't even conceive of in the mix. And I think that that's what Uran- uh, Uranus transit invites us to open up to is the unknown, is the uh, unexpected, is the surprise. Some of us don't like surprises. <laughs> I don't like surprises. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm kind of one of those for... people too. Really don't like to be surprised. I like to be able to mentally prepare myself for everything. So how does does it ever interact with Saturn? Are there ever That yes. seems like it, it could be hard. Mhm. Um in fact, you know, we're going through the Uranus Saturn opposition in the sky right now that's happening as as far as mundane astrology goes. So mm-hmm. the collective is experiencing the Uranus-Saturn opposition in the sky, which is going to be going on for the next two years. But it can happen in your natal chart, too. And in fact, many people that are 
um, born between 66 to 67 ish, uh, are undergoing the Uranus Saturn opposition on their own Uranus Saturn opposition. And people that are um, 40 to 41 are undergoing Uranus supposing Uranus in their chart. And, you know, they're like, they will be experiencing uh, Uranus opposing Saturn fairly soon down the road here in their natal chart too. So opposing itself, what, what would that do for you? Um, well, you know, just like with a Pluto to itself transit, we talked about the Pluto square back on that Pluto show. It, to me, it's like Uranus squared. It's the energy of that planet magnified, but the opposition, um, I think it's important to look at what two houses in the natal chart are being Mm -hmm. activated Mm -hmm. and what signs are being activated to get a sense of what the themes will be. Uh, But Uranus to Uranus point in your life is really the midlife point. So what we call the midlife crisis transit. Oh, that kind of big fun. And, And if somebody goes into it not really being aware of what's going on, then they might experience, um, the impulse to, to break out of constrictions without really thinking of why they're doing it, just out of this mm-hmm. impulsive, brash kind of teenage behavior. In fact, we we think often of Uranus as representing that kind of teenage rebelliousness, mm-hmm. that that kind of energy. And so, if but you don't need to to know astrology to go through that time in your life with some amount of awareness which I'm, I'm thinking we'll get to when we look at the cards, is like how can you take in that idea of rebelling against constrictions and looking at what in your life needs to um, be overthrown? What, what does need to be uh, rebelled against? Mm-hmm. What do you need to revolutionize in a healthy way, in a conscious way, not in a half-cocked, teenage way <laughs> i keep thinking about and this is a, a very sexist thing to think about but men in sports cars oh totally i <laughs> mean that girls is the, their daughter's yeah. age totally that is the stereotype and yeah. that goes with the idea of what people do when they really aren't thinking about or aren't thinking about how they uh can do this type of energy in a different way than just reacting to it or going off you know brashly um yeah the the man with the and it can go either way it can be the woman dating a younger man you know not to be sexist uh and i think in in our culture it's it's often been the other way though with with men in the past just because of what society set up for for men um or they have maybe they had more of the resources to do that kind of thing too that's true i mean with the old paradigm the um the nuclear family paradigm, the pressure was on the man to support mm-hmm. the family. And often there were kids. And so you could see at a, at a point uh, such as midlife where he would get there and say, well, I haven't had my fun. You know, where's my mm-hmm. childhood? I've been supporting this family for 20 years and, and then totally rebel against those restrictions. And that's what it looked like. I had a friend whose dad yeah. lived that. It was like, wow, he really was never allowed to be a teenager when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's a problem that can result. We don't really have it in that way happening anymore because mm-hmm. that structure doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, the people that are turning 40, 41, 42 right now have had a lot more freedom historically, mm-hmm. you know, and they're in their 20s and 30s. And at least 
more freedom around the decision of whether to get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's coming out in different ways, though. It's coming out as a midlife crisis time of realizing, wow, all these things that I haven't done that I still want to do, you know, are waiting for me and I haven't done them yet and I better get off my butt and do them. Mm. (laughs) There's that feeling Mm -hmm. of anxiousness and anxiety that comes with realizing, wow, I'm halfway through my life. You know, I need to uh, focus in here and figure out what's really important to me. And at that point too, a lot of friendships, partnerships, old habits go by the wayside suddenly when we realize, oh, we've got to get on our path um, or we're going to miss out. And sometimes we don't know how to define that. So, so we end up getting a tarot reading or, a <laughs> or an astrology reading to figure things out. I've noticed this this year, just this rash of people from my past, like high school mm-hmm. age, yeah. coming into contact. And some of it is just Facebook makes it so easy, but there's almost, and it may be, you know, the, the age thing is like, oh, looking at where, where have I been? Where am I going? Yeah. But kind of remarkable, least strange. You know? Yeah. No, I would say that that definitely could be tied in the, the sense of people getting nostalgic and looking back to their teenage years, you know, mm-hmm. represented by that and energy. And the pictures cracks me up because we all look so ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's fun. And then, and then there is that perspective you get from looking back and say, wow, look at everything that I have accomplished, mm-hmm. you know, and then also what's left for me to do and what are, what are the dreams that I had back then, you know, and how has life turned out differently for me than I expected? And how do I, how do I either realign with that or let go of the old dreams? Mm-hmm. Um, the midlife seems to be a, a calibrating point for that. Actually, uh, Stephen Forrest's book, The Changing Sky, I'll just read a little piece from that. Um, and I think it expresses it really well. In certain traditions, Uranus is viewed as the ruling planet of astrology. I think it's quite accurate. Astrology and Uranus share a common purpose to free us from anything that limits the full, healthy expression of our natures. Society and the form of pressures placed upon us by others is an arch offender here. From the moment of of our birth, we are given an all-embracing set of instructions regarding how to go about being human. What is success? What is failure? How long should you make eye contact with a stranger? How far should you stand from her? On and on until every nuance of our lives is flavored with the spirit of the tribal society into which we happen to be born. It would be foolish in the extreme to claim that all that instruction is damaging. Culture is a blessing and we should be thankful for it. But some of that instruction is not natural to us. If we are to be happy, we must be purged of it. And that purging is the essence of the transformation demanded by a Uranian passage. So Uranus also has associations with what what training we have gained from the tribe, from the herd, from acculturation. And at a Uranus opposition point, such as you know being 40, 41, 42, uh, that's a point at which we might question all of the acculturation that we've undergone. And really want to throw a lot of that off and then decide who are we without all of that? If none of that existed, who would I be? So I think that's the deeper question. I feel that impulse because um, this this summer I decided I wanted to change jobs and move. Mm -hmm. And that was just like, you know, who would I be if I, you know, lived someplace else and did something else? Yeah. 
Yeah, because if you change all the externals, uh, what does that leave as far as the core of us? Mm -hmm. And I think Uranus, a Uranus passage helps us to more define that core. So I did the same thing that we did before. I picked out some key phrases and words mm -hmm. and drew and chose cards in association with that. So one thing that I just want to say in overview is I noticed I picked a lot of Aquarius cards. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I didn't, you know, try to, but when I look back at it. Yeah. And so Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius. So I thought that was nice. So to start out with, the Fool is the modern attribution for Uranus. And he is also heir. Like, like the other two that we did, there's, there's a trump associated with an element that then got a modern attribution. Right. And so the, I'm setting up the Fool as a poster boy for, for Uranus. And everything that you said seems to, I can picture the Fool. Yeah. Doing that. Absolutely. I think uh, when I visualize the fool, he's the person that stands apart from the herd. Mm -hmm. And he also symbolizes something to the herd <clears throat> that um, we might all aspire to do, which is not caring, you know, how <laughs> he is viewed by the herd. Or right? what's going on around him, really. Yeah, really. Pretty oblivious. Yeah. So the words that I put with the fool were awakener, freedom, originality, and independence. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the journey, which the fool is, he's he's awakening to, mm -hmm. to the journey. Um, I think a part of Uranus transit, what it does is it wakes you up out of a sleep. It's waking someone up out of the sleep of of past habits and ruts and things that have been become constraining. So the second is upheaval and revolution. And I chose the Tower and the Seven of Swords. And I know this is true, but for every single one of these, I've chosen the Tower for, for the Outer Planets. Mm -hmm. And I feel I feel like it fits, but I think it's also kind of bizarre that I think that's the case. Is there anything about the Outer Planets that you would say were I think majorly that's fascinating. changing? I, I actually, I think that's really fascinating. So you chose the Tower for Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus so far. Mm -hmm. And I think that is significant. I want to think about that okay. more because I think there is something. I mean, there. I do really legitimately feel like I that, that it represents some part of them. Well, it's a force. I mean, if you look at the card, it's the force of something external upon us that we have no control over. And to me, the idea of the outer planets is so big and overwhelming. Uh, they, are, they are forces that we can't control. They're not like the personal planets. There are forces outside of us that we don't govern. They govern us. It's like the inner planets are within us. They're really, you know, closer to our our core, our heart, you know, our sun, our moon, our Mars, our Venus. All of those are um, closer to our personality. That outer realm is, to me, um, representative of the forces of fate in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how the outer planets play upon us, especially when they come into our chart by transit mm -hmm. can feel like this tower. And then the second card was the seven of swords, which is unstable effort. And the moon in Aquarius is mm -hmm. the attribution for that one. And so he, you know, I really like him for Uranus of just kind of going in. He's kind of the monkey wrench guy going in and messing stuff up. He's very sub subversive mm -hmm. to the order. Yeah. Yep. 
My next word was objectivity. And for that, I picked Justice with her scales and then the King of Swords and the Queen of Swords. And really, I would say any of the, <laughs> maybe even go as far as saying that all of the royal cards for swords could have that kind of objectivity. Mm-hmm. So would you even go with objectivity as a Uranus type of a concept? You know, honestly, I would put it more with Aquarian kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to be careful because I can kind of mush those things together mm-hmm. as an astrologer. And, you know, Ed and I were talking about this last time too, that the tendency to mush uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uranus and, and Aquarius. And you probably find this with tarot too, that it's easy to start mushing symbols together. Right. And it's hard to remember why, how to unmush them sometimes. Exactly. So I would kind of, I would separate objectivity out actually to a more, um, Personal. more of an Aquarian mm-hmm. ideal. But I like those for that. I like those for objectivity and humanitarian ideals. Definitely. Yeah. But you don't feel like that's as much Uranus? Not as much. Not as much. Yeah. I think that the first two definitely, though. Okay. Personal freedom in the star. Um, For awakening, would you consider awakening to be? Yes. Judgment is is an obvious standard. Right. Right. And interesting, that was a fit for Pluto too. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but I do see the overlap there mm-hmm. with the idea of um, things coming to an end and others are beginning. Often Uranus can have the same kind of um, force of shaking loose things that are dying, so that something else we can awaken to with the new. So technology, innovation, and discovery. Would you put that in Uranus? The court? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, that goes along with the, the Promethean idea uh, of, you know, and Richard Harness talks about this in his book, Cosmos and Psyche, the idea of Prometheus is bringing, the fi- bringing fire to mankind was um, a subversive thing to do because he stole it from the gods mm-hmm. and he was had to be sneaky about it and he got in trouble for it. And yet what he did had had this huge impact and began sim- civilization. Um, so I, I do think it ties into that. And so that was, I actually had a hard time finding that. And so mm-hmm. that would be an argument for a much more modern deck because all of those things are just absolutely essential to modern life. Right. True. So that being said, I had to go with the Ace of Swords and the Two of Wands. Mm-hmm. But those feel weak to me. They don't feel like they really, really embody that. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're you're striving for the right symbol there, right. but they're not quite. Mm-hmm. They're not quite there. And usually, I don't feel disappointed because you, I'm t- t- <laughs> I'm typically reading about people and their relationships, which has not changed. Mm-hmm. But right. Well, if you're talking about if you're doing a reading about some of these issues that we're addressing of being at the midlife point and the angst that comes with that and wondering, you know, who you are anymore, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things, then, you know, a lot of these, well, we'll get to that, but a lot of these other cards will be fitting. Right. But yeah. So the next concept was balking at tradition. Mm-hmm. So does that work for you? Yeah, that works for me. Um, 
interesting point about Uranus's discovery is that it was around the time of two significant revolutions, which are the American Revolution and the French Revolution. It was actually post-American Revolution and right around the time of the French Revolution. So balking at, you know, at the, I mean, the order of the world, mm -hmm. the uh, monarchy, which was the standard way, um, at least in European culture, Western culture. Um, yeah, definitely. That goes with Uranus. So I wasn't able to find specifically balking at tradition, but I found tradition. And mm -hmm. so I w what I would look for would be badly aspected or reversals, however you're working with that. And so the Hierophant and the Ten of Pentacles. Yeah, no, I definitely see if you, if you had a card in combination with the Hierophant, maybe mm -hmm. that showed that. Yeah. Like death. <laughs> yeah. Death to death, tradition. Exactly. That would really be yeah. fitting. Huh. Yes. And then awakening feelings of restriction. Especially and during your Uranus opposition. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, no awakenings. So I, I, I went with the Eight of Swords, so the woman surrounded by, kind of locked in and surrounded by swords, mm -hmm. and then needing an aspect for that, too, you know, some. And what's interesting in that card is she's really, isn't she really free? Like, is that the one that I'm thinking of where she's She not, could walk forward she, or, right. you know, shrug herself out of it, yeah. It's about seeing your way out of it. And whenever I've gotten, whenever I felt strongly connected to that, I've been in like a job or a situation where, you know, I feel paralyzed mm -hmm. not in and an in unwilling and unable to move it's like in i guess the way you described it was being willing to stay in a bad situation mm -hmm. to keep it things the status quo yeah yeah and that actually that card really embodies that for me and mm -hmm. i've never looked at that card that way before mm -hmm. but that totally elucidates that card for me and then my final one was abhorring dictators <laughs> <laughs> So the anti-Pluto uh, medicine. Right. Yeah. And for, for, for dictators, I picked the emperor and all the kings. Yeah. Not that they have to be dictators. But. Right, right. So the emperor and all the kings representing the, the uh -huh. that force, and then right. if they're badly aspected or... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that is new, actually, mm -hmm. that I went through, had to find kind of the opposite, mm -hmm. that I was only really able to find the opposite of Uranus. Well, leave it to Uranus to force you to find something <laughs> yeah. completely new and different. So is there anything you would add to that list of concepts? Hmm. You know, I can't off the, off the top of my head think of anything. I think you did a really thorough job. And I think it touched on everything that I read from Robert Hand and Stephen Forrest and my own little blurb. So I designed a reading, and <laughs> I mean, there there's so many things that you could do with Uranus as the theme, mm -hmm. but I guess the thing that comes up for me the most often is I am have come up with an idea or being presented with something that's a totally new direction and something outside of my comfort zone and something I may or may not really want to do. Yeah. But it's the opportunity is presented, and the question is, you know, is this a good idea or not? Mm -hmm. And so just because every crackpot idea that comes your way isn't necessarily the, the next big thing for you. Right. 
And that's actually something to be wary of under both Uranus and Neptune transits is crackpot ideas uh-huh. <laughs> and <laughs> acting on them too rashly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is the shadow side of, of this transit as well as every other one. And we can get kind of harebrained things coming in that really aren't practical. But like we were talking about with the midlife crisis thing, you know, you don't necessarily want to act on every Uranian impulse without really examining and considering where is it coming from and, and how is this going to impact my life and being willing to take the ramifications of, of that impact. So uh, the, the spread that I designed is pretty simple. It is in the shape of the symbol for Uranus. And the first part is like the Celtic cross. There's me. And then crossing is the significator. And I'm not necessarily looking for the crossing to be the, the crossing like the challenge, but just the interaction between me and the situation. Mm-hmm. And then on the left are three cards that are red as, you know, one. And that's the downside and then on the right three cards which are the the upside and then three cards on the bottom is advice and i played around with maybe making four cards into more of a circle so i looked like it but in the end when i practiced the reading what i really wanted to know is okay i see the pros and cons i really wanted the that kind of advice and so Mm -hmm. i went back to the more simple less geometric version of the spread so would you like to see the reading I did for myself today? I would love to see it. So I'll, I, I will, I'm going to be coy about it a little bit. <laughs> so what, what the reading was on is I feel an impulse to study more in a certain area. Mm-hmm. And so my question is, do I kind of do it more on my own? Or, and there's a year-long training that I'm interested in, but it's really expensive. It's like five grand, mm-hmm. which is a lot of money. I could probably write some of it off, if not all of it, as an expense. But I don't know the specific teacher. I know the organization. And in the end, I don't really care if I have a $5,000 certificate. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, it would be, would it be to specifically get the tools, not so much about that the certificate? Right. It would yeah. be, you know, to be committed to the the time getting better material access to a person. And I even thought I would have to fly to another town to do it. Mm. So I was kind of looking into it and they actually have a more of a correspondence webinar teleconference version, Mm -hmm. but it's still, it's a lot of money, you know, for something that, you know, I have college degrees, you know, I don't need to prove that to myself. And it's not, you know, that anything in esoterics, you know, having a certification in something is kind of, you know, yeah she just made the woo-woo symbol <laughs> yeah, with her finger <laughs> you know yeah no i i get you i i agree with you too i think that to to get to spend a lot of money to get anything that's not accredited anymore is um something you really you have to do it because you want the tools not because right you want the end result of the certificate because frankly no one cares about the certificate right and so, so I'm, I'm quite interested <laughs> the, the program looks good i would want to check out the teacher more yeah. it may not be the right year Mm-hmm. Or, you know, do, mm-hmm. do I want to commit? If I don't sell my house and, I, and stay here, I probably could afford it, you know. Uh-huh. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. It wouldn't be easy, but, you know, if, if that were like the thing I most wanted to do, to do yeah. I could do it. So that was my what my reading was on. And so I kind of deviated on pros and cons <laughs> when I did it. <laughs> Instead of cons, it w- well, the cons would be, so the pros would be doing it, in favor of doing it. 
And then I kind of met the, the other side being doing it on studying on my own. So for me, I am the empress. And some, some of that is my motivation for doing it is in part to be of service, you know, my personal education, but also it's something I can share mm-hmm. with other people. But I'm crossed with the seven of pentacles, which is success unfulfilled. Mm. So uh, I guess I should say that I'm using the quantum tarot for this reading. Mm-hmm. And it has a person, it, and it's very abstract. So I'm going to talk about the Rider weight version, which would be the guy in the hoe with the pentacles looking, not being sure that his his investment was worth his effort. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that that's kind of leading into where this looks like it's going for me. And I was, I mean, I want to say I was willing for, to say that, okay, go for it. This is the right year. Right. I actually want to start with the pros. So the pros are <laughs> not very pro-y. We have the eight of swords, so shortened force. Mm-hmm. We have the five of pentacles, which is material hardship. And the seven of cups illusionary success yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't feel like really jumping for joy about any of those cards in yeah. the pros yeah so it's not really looking like very much in favor for mm-hmm. that it would be i would feel re- maybe restricted by it it may mm-hmm. be that my style of learning is not really in line with this course mm-hmm. uh, the seven of cups stands out to me too is like some amount of confusion or right mm-hmm. yeah a lot of lack of clarity Mm-hmm. And maybe that that could just be that it is, you know, there are other things that are a better choice for me. Right. There's other choices. Yeah. And that committing to that much money in mm-hmm. one year, and then maybe in particular next year, is just a really, really bad idea. It's interesting that the number five showed up with coin with the pentacles. Mm-hmm. Like the, the five grand actually oh, showed right. up. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so this is in the con side and i was kind of using that for because this program actually you can buy like maybe 60 cassette tapes with materials to do Mm self-study and so that was kind of you know if i'm interested in it that would be a way right and so i have the four of wands i have the knight of wands and then death hmm and so Initially, it looks great and exciting way. And then the death card makes me think that, like, maybe even within a year's time, this question is going to be completely irrelevant for some reason. Yeah, I get the sense of something coming to a sudden end. Like, mm-hmm. there's this momentum, and then something comes to a sudden halt. Right. So that may be my interest burning out. Mm-hmm. Or my life taking some unexpected turn where, you know, being tied into the commitment next year is just a terrible idea well you are going through your uranus opposition <laughs> within the next year i think um and uh but i feel ambivalent about that that could right. be that you know this is like the big change i too, see so. i see right yeah i mean what what i was thinking of there is is the unpredictability factor of mm-hmm. your life over the next year and and like you said you're feeling kind of like am i moving am i staying am i you know what am i doing <laughs> I <staying>. yeah <laughs> Um, so with all of that, it's hard to make those kind of plans. Yeah. And then the last three cards are advice. It's got Einstein on it. It does, Einstein. (laughs) And so it's the world, the chariot, and the ten of wands are the cards. And look at the ten of wands is kind of on the side of doing it. So we have the lord of oppression. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> this is my grim, right? Mm-hmm. It's really not pandering around and on the side of the of not doing it and just kind of doing my own kind of self-study thing. Mm-hmm. We have the world. Yeah. And then the chariot is driving, you know, driving forward. And Einstein is almost turning his back on the Ten of Wands too. Yeah. When you're yeah, you're reading it in that way that you look at the three mm-hmm. together, yes. Yeah. And reaching out towards the world. Mm-hmm. Which may be reaching out towards astrology instead, you know, because mm-hmm. of the world. Who knows? Right. I mean, it, to me, the world card looks like there's more, um, open yourself up to something more, mm-hmm. even, than than this that you imagined. Um, I think that the biggest con card that actually stands out for me is the Eight of Swords, which is the feeling of confinement. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, it's in the prose position, but right, it's yeah. Well, that and the material hardship. That <laughs> like, too. Yeah, I'm that's not... feel like boxed in and impoverished. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have felt that way. Like I did um, some orosoma training, yeah. which I really like a lot about it. But I felt totally like bouncing off the walls with you know the way they do they structure their training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a little too structured for yeah. you, or the wrong kind of structure for me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then that's an important thing to consider with any kind of uh, learning and that kind of money commitment, time commitment. It's like, is this even going to mesh with my way of learning? And unfortunately, I think I'm a little bit of an erratic learner, you know. Mm -hmm. As am I. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like to obsessively delve into Mm -hmm. things. So I do better with having the right kind of teacher, mentor teacher type Uh rather than a curriculum. I think that I totally relate to that. And and I think having a, a one-on-one teacher to go at your own pace with may work well for someone like you as opposed to this kind of structure. But so, yeah, I think that as far as the reading goes, this seemed to work really well mm-hmm. for your question. Yeah, I, I feel like compl- I feel relaxed about it when, mm-hmm. I, when I think that, you know, it's like, oh, well, that, you know, and I get it. And that's a sign of a good reading. Yeah. So, so for me, the situation is um, my uh, teaching position at this point looks like it's possibly coming to an end um, for a time anyway, in the fall or in the winter. And uh, so I've got another potential opportunity on the table. I also have potential other teaching opportunities on the table. But my question is more about this other unusual offer that I've gotten. And so I'm going to do a reading on it. I'm just like okay. No, so I'm telling. So the the one thing I didn't say about how I drew it, and you don't have to do it this way, Uh is I did that very thing. I I picked myself, and so and then the situation. So I think it's interesting. You had the Lady of Coins as yourself, and the situation is the Lady of Staves. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of young feminine energy, Mm -hmm. so it's new, Mm -hmm. and we have kind of Earth coins and stability, and then fire and passion. Mm-hmm. Is the situation. So, you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like it too. There's a symmetry, mm-hmm. at least between those two things, the lady and the lady. Mm-hmm. And so now. And so then what I did yeah. <laughs> is I shuffled again and then and cut the deck into halves, one for pros and one for cons. I'll try that. Yeah. Okay. And then what'd you do for the final? Put it back together, reshuffled, and then drew the advice cards. Okay. So for... Cons, we have the Lady of Swords, Justice, and the Three of Coins. And none of the cons look very bad. They don't, actually. None and of them are really overtly 
negative cards or right. scary cards. So I like that. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of in favor of this weird oddball situation. <laughs> and I think it's, I find it interesting that another lady showed up. So that's a lot of young courts. Right. So what, how would you, and, and I wonder about, because I get the ladies a lot when I do readings with mm-hmm. this deck in particular, I'm using the alchemical tarot. Um, what, how do you interpret the, are they different from the page? Yeah, I would say. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, since it's the alchemical tarot, mm-hmm. and from talking to Bob about what he means by, like, let's let's pull out, and so the first um, queen that came up was the Queen of Swords. And mm-hmm. Actually, she's a pretty good example. So the, the Queen of Swords gives you a choice between the, yeah, this, this is a good example. So she gives you a choice between the green, the, the ripe, I mean, the unripe, and the, the the what's ripe and ready, mm-hmm. and so there's there's that kind of quality with the queens versus the pages. That you know the page is potential, and I mean I, I don't yeah <laughs> I don't want to say girl versus woman right, but some of that like the maiden versus the mother energy maybe yeah mm-hmm. okay that makes some more sense. Mm-hmm. So it's more inquisitive. It's more, it's more mutable. But I don't think that's quite it mm-hmm. either. More idealistic for sure. Mm-hmm. Less experienced. Do you feel like it's been a lot of like newness and needing to prove yourself? Well, I feel like in some ways it would take me back to, um, not necessarily in a bad way, but it would take me back to an old way I used to do things Mm. or an old structure, Uh which is not necessarily a bad thing. I haven't done this kind of thing in a while. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we have, you know, the three of coins, you know, the the artist is drawing, you know, leading justice, there's balance. Mm. And then it it feels like it's moving over that way. Mm -hmm. You know, at least the three of coins and the lady of coins have movement in that direction. Yeah. You know, and if, so <laughs> the things that, so, so we're looking for this for cons and the cons could be being for, so that you'd be forced to be creative. Yeah. And that, you know, the justice is a balancing act. Yeah. And then the lady of swords is she's singing and idealistic and if that were a con, then having your idealism challenged. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely see those as the feelings I've had coming up around mm-hmm. my fears. So for the pros, we have the sun in the alchemical culture of the major conjunction. And then the hierophant, which is kind of tradition and structure. And then look at all the suns and moons. We have a sun and a moon in every card. <laughs> The Hierophant in Strength. Wow. And then, yeah, Passion. So when I look at that, I, I think of the sun and the moon as also the, I think of the conscious and the unconscious mm-hmm. aspect of it. And um, how I think if I were to do this um, opportunity, it would force me to be using both of those parts of myself in balance a lot, mm-hmm. which would probably be a good thing in a lot of ways. Well, so then for advice, we have the Seven of Cups, 
the Four of Swords and the Ace of Wands. And I'm, I'm looking at it upside down. So, I mean, <laughs> this is biasing. <laughs> well, they're all kind of, um, the energy of all of them is just coming straight forward. Yeah, they're not really what, I wasn't really seeing, you know, he he's the only one that really seems to have a strong directional movement is the ace. And he, and that salamander is kind of circling the ace. He, mm -hmm. You know, it could be that he's heading off, but he almost feels like he's going in a circle. So what it kind of looks like to me is there's this kind of meditative sage sitting there on the ground and he's contemplating the seven of cups in the writer way would be illusionary success and about confusing choices that was the card yeah. i had but not so much in this deck this is like picking the right tool for the job mm -hmm. more so so he's contemplating picking the right tool for the job and fire inspiration and passion so overall yeah. it kind overall, of feels you know the, the ace of swords i mean the ace of wands here and then we have the lady of staves mm -hmm. is the situation right and I, I'm in favor of you taking it. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm biased because I told you I was in favor of you taking it anyway. <laughs> Before we did the reading, but the I don't reading, see any counterindications to that. No, the reading kind of really validates that. So this is, yeah, this is really helpful. And I think it is part of the, I do have a, a Uranus transit going on right now. So this kind of ties into some of that for me. Um, some of my fears are, uh, in the in the prose section would be kind of being chained to the writing desk, mm -hmm. right? Right. And so that's some of my fear, but I think um, ultimately there would be a lot of rewards from it too. Mm -hmm. So good. <laughs> Thank you. So is there anything else we should say in closing? Uh, so I'm, I like that I got a no answer and you got a yes answer for yeah. going ahead. Yeah, so to show that, I mean, you really can, it can be strongly indicative either way, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that yours was pretty, pretty straightforward. And so is mine in, in those opposite directions. Mm -hmm. So, and I think the reading really works once again. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think that's it for Uranus then. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.